So last week we started a new journey we're calling The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's based on this book by a guy named John Mark Comer by the same title, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The whole idea is that, I mean, you just saw the bumper video, just we live at this frenacious pace and we're just tearing the world down with everything that we do and we're busy, 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 busy. And it's not enriching our souls and it's wearing us out. And I just talked last week as kind of an introduction to the series. I want to tell you what, it must have hit home with a few of you because I have had so many comments, so many texts, uh, a few people that just like listen to our podcasts or watch us online. It is neat that there are, you guys are out there. I need to say hey to you guys. Hey, if you're listening or watching, that's really neat. Just reaching out through an email, I got a couple of those to say yes. Yes, I'm ready to slow down. I'm ready to chill out. I'm ready to see what God has for me. So I gave you a challenge last week, and I wonder how you did with it. This was last week's challenge. Pay attention to the speed at which you live your life and practice slowing. How did you do on that? You know, anybody? How would you grade yourself? Give yourself a grade. A plus, F, C minus, one of your homework assignments was take a nap, okay? So, like, if you can't do that for Jesus, like, get into it. I don't know. Do better. All right? So, like, the idea, it was slow down. So, we're going to kind of continue that pace. And, and, and this week, what I want to do is dive into some of the principles, what John Mark Comer calls practices for if you want to be uh, a disciple of Jesus, someone who is living and is, as an apprentice to him, we're going to do the things that Jesus did, and they're called practices in this book. And so these things, though, yes, we're looking at a book that's not the Bible, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. These principles are deeply embedded in Scripture, and we see them in the life of Jesus specifically. And so as we look through all of these things, this morning we're going to take a look at the first practice. Okay, There's going to be four practices. This is the first one. The first practice is probably the oldest spiritual discipline ever. It, it's, it, you, you read about it in the very first chapter of the Bible, okay? It's, it's probably the oldest way we can connect with God, uh, and it is millions of people have prioritized this practice through the years, and it's made a huge difference in their life, but it's one of the Old Testament practices that modern-day Christians probably ignore the most. I've probably even guilt, been guilty myself of saying, it's not even important in the past, and I was wrong if I said that. Like, we need to, the practice today is the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath. It's from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it means to stop or to cease or to rest. Sabbath. You might have heard about Sabbath. You might have a Jewish friend that practices Sabbath. There's a lot of different uh, ways that you can observe Sabbath. I've definitely taught on the importance of it, but it's something that we've nearly completely just erased from our minds and vocabularies, not only as uh, people who call themselves Christians, but specifically as Westerner American Christians. It's like, I don't need this. Like There's a lot of things in the Bible that I need to follow, but Sabbath ain't one of them. And I'm here today to say we're missing out. We're messing out big time, and it's something that we need to put our minds back into. It means this, that we've got to take time to stop for rest and worship. Now, we're going to talk a lot about that in just a minute, but let's just review how we got here. How do we get to the place where this is not even a priority whatsoever? Uh, to get there, in his book, John Mark Comer has a little section called A Brief, a Brief History on Speed. And he goes through kind of the history of how technology and culture have shifted through the centuries to lead us to this place of never stopping and going until our heads fall off or whatever. Like, it's, it's this whole idea. And so 
in his book, he, he dates the beginning of this movement as far back as maybe around 200 B.C. And he quotes this uh, Roman playwright, uh, a guy named Plautus. Uh, and Plautus writes this as he's ranting about this newfangled technology called the sundial. He says this, The gods confound the man who first found out how to distinguish ours. Confound him too, who in this place set up a sundial to cut and hack my days so wretchedly into small portions. Anybody relate with that? Well, whose idea was it that we got only an hour for this? Whose idea was it that we got to be here at this time, at this place? And time begins to march on. And then something uh, that he notices gets even worse. And so the next big um, you know, innovation in history happens. Do you remember 1370? It was a good year. <laughs> 1370. In 1370, something happens. Uh, the first clock is installed in a public place in a town in Germany. A clock. That old rascal, it really begins to shift things. And it becomes very popular. The clock. Anybody got a clock? A watch? Your phone? Something in your car? That thing that twice a year, is, you got to change it again because of daylight savings time? Because a whole other thing. John Mark Comer points out that before the invention of the clock, time was natural. It was linked to the rotation of the earth. You went to bed with the moon. You woke up with the sun. The days were long and busy in the summer, but they were short and slow in the winter. But the clock changed all of that. There's another historian named Daniel Bortson. He calls the invention of the clock man's declaration of independence from the sun. Then he says, only later would it be revealed that he had accomplished this mastery by putting himself under the domain of a machine with imperious demands of its own. Then something else happens. You guys remember 1879, right? Big year. The invention of the light bulb. How did this change things? Well, for one, now cities can stay awake 24 hours a day. Do you know before the light bulb, can you guess how many hours of sleep the average person got before the light bulb? What do y'all think? How many hours of sleep? Seven? Nine? Ten? Ten? 11 hours. Can you imagine? 11 hours? That's like everybody. Busy people, rich people, poor people. 11 hours. Why? The sun went down. That's why. It's time to sleep. The average sleeping time was 11 hours. Today we stay up late and we wake up early. As Americans, you know how much we average? Seven. Seven. No wonder we're exhausted. Our body actually needs more than that. Any doctor who told you nine hours, eight hours is what you need, I, they just made that up. It's just something. There's been lots of extensive sleep studies done that said that actually we need more. We need more. We're just not giving it to ourselves. In addition to that, uh, how we treat time and the light bulb, other technologies have played into how we got to where we are and led to this place of frenacious busyness. Uh, technology uh, has begun to push us harder and hardy, harder in an interesting way. The more labor-saving devices we invent... Right? So these are things like vacuum cleaners and dishwashers and lawnmowers, things that help us do work easier. You would think that if there's machines doing work for us, we should have more free time, right? The reality is it just frees up more time for us to fill with other things to make ourselves busy. And it just marches on. Remember what happened in 2007? The smartphone. And this little device that not only is supposed to streamline our lives and make it infinitely easier has done nothing but hold us captive and make us a slave to it 24 hours a day. Calling our name, 
keeping us awake late, and the very thing that wakes us up in the morning. How in the world do we stop this train? Like, is there a stop? Is there a place where we get off? Well, I said it last week, okay? This is the solution. You ready for the solution to all this? We've got to stop the insanity. We've got to stop. We simply have to stop, which leads us to this week's practice, Sabbath. Do you remember what the word Sabbath means? To stop, to cease, to rest. Um, I, I want to address this idea because when we talk about we've got to stop, we've got to stop, and, and I had a friend tell me this week, well, I, I'm, I'm busy this week. Oh, I know. Busy is a bad word. Can't say busy. Um, no, no, no. Actually, work is good. We did a whole teaching series last year called uh, about work. I think it was called 9 to 5, and a couple years before that, we did one called Good Work. God created you to do work. Work is good. It's in his image that we be creative and want to be productive. He wants us to work. Work is not bad. Actually, work can be a form of worship. God loves it when we use our skills to do awesome things in this world. But work isn't supposed to be our purpose. Work isn't supposed to uh, define us. It's not where we get our meaning or our sense of security. In fact, Jesus worked hard. Jesus went hard, man. The dude woke up super early. He led what became a worldwide movement. I don't know if you realize that. He had thousands of people who were constantly badgering for his attention. Yet somehow he was never stressed out. There were times where we see him get a little bit on edge. But I think it's because he's, he's just trying to get his message across. And I think the reason is because he understood that the work is good. He practiced every single week the practice of Sabbath. It was a practice of Jesus, therefore it is a practice that if we want to be apprentices of Jesus, we need to practice with our life. Uh, so grab a Bible today, we're going to take a look at a couple of places in Scripture where we learn about this, and we're going to unpack this, and we're going to see, like, is it even attainable? Maybe one, what in the world is Sabbath? Like, you might have heard it, and you're like, I, I kind of get it, but what is it? How do I do it? Uh, if you got a Bible, we're going to be flipping over to the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus, the very two first books of the Bible. If you need a Bible to read, we've got free ones you can use in the back right by the door over there. Feel free to grab one, use it for the service today. Uh, keep it for your very own. It can be yours to have, or you could just borrow it for the day if you want it. Um, and, and as we get into that, uh, the, let me give you a definition for Sabbath. That's going to be our working kind of definition for what we're talking about. So here, here's the basic idea of Sabbath. The basic idea of Sabbath is this, that every person should set aside a day each week in which instead of working, they rest and worship God. That is Sabbath, okay? Thousands of years old, and we're going to find that it's very, very high on God's priorities list for us to do that. Just leave that up there so you guys can think about it. And let me show you the first time in Scripture where this shows up. We see it in the book of Genesis, if you want to look in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. This is the very first time it shows up. Actually, really before uh, the world gets hardly going, you see Sabbath. Genesis 2, 2. God had created all things, and then he rested. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day... He rested from his work. There's that word. The same word, Shabbat, rest, stop. He stopped to simply be with the creation. In fact, I love that he steps back and he looks at it and he's like, this is good. We serve a God who as an artist was creating, and if you've ever worked with an artist or been an artist yourself, you know that there's got to be a point in your creative process where you say, that's enough. It's finished. And God looked at creation, and he looked at us, and he said, this is enough. And he set 
and he rested in it. And it was on the seventh day of creation. That's why I'm calling it the oldest spiritual discipline there is. It's like second verse in the second chapter of the Bible, we find the concept of Sabbath. And we see God using this principle of rest and stopping and ceasing as a foundational principle as he gets the nation of Israel going. And so uh, that's why as God is setting up the nation of Israel, and you look now in the book of Exodus, we're going to be in chapter 20, if you want to go to flip over to Exodus chapter 20, uh, and he's meeting with Moses. The, the, the Israelites had just been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. God had delivered them using uh, Moses, but a lot of miracles and some crazy things that will blow your mind, and then they get out to kind of freedom, and God begins to establish them as a nation. And so this is where we get the idea of the Ten Commandments. Uh, God shows to Moses, this is how I want you to lay out my nation. And there's a lot of things that God communicates with Moses. They become uh, like the book of, of Leviticus later, the book of Exodus. And the Ten Commandments become kind of the top ten guiding principles of how Israel leads himself. And there's some really good stuff in there that we love. There's stuff in the Ten Commandments like don't murder. That's a bad idea. I like that law. I like that rule. Don't murder people. Another one. Don't cheat on your husband and wife. Don't commit adultery. I'm a big fan of that. I hope you are too. I think we should probably be faithful to our spouse. There's, you know, don't steal and don't worship idols. A bunch of really good foundational principles, practices of the nation of Israel. And then there's this one in there that we as modern Christians tend to completely ignore. It's in the top 10. But verse 8, Exodus 20 and verse 8, it says, remember, stop there. Anybody ever told you to remember? Why do we tell people to remember? Because we forget. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I love that they use the word holy here. That word holy means something that is set apart, something that is special, something is protected. I've put a fence around this. This is important to me. That's what holiness is. God is holy because he's set apart, because he's uh, perfect, because he is different. He's otherly than you know, whatever else is not holy. And so he says, when it comes to the Sabbath, remember it. How are you going to be remembering it? By keeping it holy. Keep it set apart. Keep it special. Keep it important. Guess what? We forgot. <laughs> we forgot, but it's okay. It's written down. That's why we take notes. It says, remember the Sabbath. Not only is it uh, on the list, the top ten list, it's actually the longest of the rules. You know Why? I think it's because God really wanted to make sure we understood that it was important to him. If you keep reading in verse 9, Exodus 20, now verse 9, it says, So six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or your female servant or your animals, nor foreigners residing in your town, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. So, it's there. There it is, okay? It's there. And somehow we just can't stop. Even if you get a day off of work, like most of us have a weekend of some kind, right? But what are you doing on those days off? Would you, would you define it as rest and worship? Most of the times, no. How often have you come home from a vacation completely exhausted? Like, we're not even good at taking a vacation. Like, I'm, just, I'm getting paid to rest right now. 
And I can't do it. And so let's talk about this. From this passage that we just read, what I want to do is, I'm just going to call these three quick points about Sabbath. Uh, and so you can decide in your mind whether or not they're quick. We'll see. But there are three. Three things from, these, from this passage that we just read about Sabbath that I think are important for us to understand. And then we'll unpack it and see how we as a community can maybe do better. Because I think this doesn't need to be a bunch of stepping on toes and slapping. It's more like when someone just reminds you that you have like a favorite pair of uh, sweatpants that you forgot about. And you put those in. You're like, oh my goodness, why don't I wear these every day, right? So this is what this needs to be. Guys, we have a really good thing in the closet, okay? We forgot about it. We're not using it, and we should use it because it's really going to help us out. Three quick points about Sabbath. The number one is this. Sabbath is a commandment. It's a commandment. I mean, the Ten Commandments, okay? It's in there, okay? And this is, we're going to do some teaching on Ten Commandments, I think, later this year, so we'll talk about that some more, but it's a commandment. Let, let's just pause on that. Christians get confused about commandments because we talk a lot about grace and forgiveness, and we're like, wait, I thought there weren't any rules. Like, I thought it was just like forgiveness. And, and, and it's true, like, what, what the Bible, the commandments is not how we, like, earn our way into God's grace, so to make it very clear, like when, when it talks about Jesus' forgiving us and his grace, we receive that through his grace, his choice, and through the resurrection of Jesus from his death on the cross. And he rose into new life, and he offered us that as well. And God's presence comes among us as his Holy Spirit. Like all of that is a free thing, but he does have some expectations from us once we land in that sweet spot. And so it's just like my kids, like I have rules for my kids, but my rules aren't like, if you want me to love you, you need to do these things. No, it is because I love you, I've created these boundaries for you that I think will help you live your best life. And that's the way it is with God and commandments. He's like, listen, there are things that you should do. Some of these things will pull you completely away from me if you don't listen. Just like a parent. You know, if you completely break these rules, we may have a sever in our relationship. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means that you're going outside of the safe area that I've created for you to live in. And God is the perfect father, unlike us parents who we probably have rules that we don't need. And we're like, oh, probably shouldn't have had that rule. My bad. First time having you as a kid, right? But God loves us. That's why he has these commandments. And so... Uh, once we're in God's grace, there is this rhythm of life that he wants us to live in. And what's really cool about that is that Sabbath is part of it. Like when you think about commandments, you think about work. But this is literally a commandment that says, take a day off. Like who doesn't want that? Who doesn't long for that? And God, the creator, says, this is what I want for you. I really want this for you because there's some things. So, uh, that's the first thing, that, that, that Sabbath is a commandment. And often I hear us say, as a culture, I, I can't. I just can't. I read some studies this week, and I didn't write down the statistics, but I think you get it, is that there's a high percentage of people, something like 70, 75% of people, feel that they have to work on their job a little bit, at least, seven days a week. If I don't, the thing's going to fall apart. I know, looking at this audience, several of you are entrepreneurial, self-employed business owners. Um, I'm the guy who moved to a town where I didn't live and started a church. And just to be clear, I received my salary from the work of this church. I know the stress and the pain of going, if I don't keep this thing together, it's going to fall apart. By the way, that's also a lie <laughs> from the mouth of the devil himself. I want to talk to you today. You can do it. You're commanded to do it. And if you do it, 
everything you touch will only be more blessed. Here's a second quick tip about, quick thing about Sabbath. The Sabbath is blessed. Do you know if you look at the creation story in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, there are only three things that God blesses. He blesses the animals in uh, Genesis 1, 22. He blesses humans, Genesis 1, 28. Guess what else he blesses? Sabbath. Genesis 2, 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. I read that already. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What does it mean for something to be blessed? When something is blessed by God, it means that God has filled it with his favor. Let that sink in. That's, that's like big concept, actually. It's pretty deep. If something's been blessed by God, that means God has filled it with his favor. He's like, I am touching this with my approval, and I'm causing this to be supernaturally enriched. I'm fertilizing this with my love. I don't know. It's like, I'm going to make this grow simply because I say so. That's what blessing is. I'm making this more than it appears to be simply because I'm behind it. I'm endorsing this. I bless this. Three things he blessed. Animals, peoples, and the seventh day, the Sabbath, the day of rest. This is very similar to the biblical concept of tithing. We've talked about this a bunch of times. But the principle of tithing is that with my income off the top, I, I, a tithe it means tenth. It's the same word, tithe and tenth. It means I set aside a tenth of what I made, my like uh, salary or what I've earned. I set that apart, that tenth, that ten percent for the work of God and his kingdom in this world. Okay, and so, it, you know, supporting the work of a local church, supporting a missionary, supporting a good nonprofit that's focused on God things. Uh, it, it's, it, in the Old Testament, it literally supported the temple system. It helped take care of the priests' families that did all the temple duties and things like that. And so that's the concept. And so in the book of Malachi, it actually says that the tithe is blessed. The reason I make this connection is this. The, the tithe principle, my wife and I have, have done our best to tithe faithfully for almost 20 years. And in that process, uh, we... Man, it's amazing. We're like off the top, this is going to come up. And there, there's never been a time when we haven't been blown away by what God has done. Because here's the principle is that if God has blessed the tenth that I give him, he, by connection, is going to take the 90% that's left, and that's blessed too. And we have found in our own personal finances that God can do way more with this 90% than we could have done if we kept 100%. That's just... That's just a personal uh, testimony right there on that. And the concept is true, too, with Sabbath. If you will give me one day, I will bless it. I will fill it with my favor. The other six days, you will be able to do everything else you need to do. Because the Sabbath is blessed. When we give God a full day, in turn, he blesses the rest of our week. The promise is if you take a Sabbath, God supernaturally multiplies and gives blessings to the rest of your life. And if you don't believe that, maybe you should research a guy named Truett Cathy. Who is Truett Cathy? Chick-fil-A. That's, that's the right answer. Truett Cathy is Chick-fil-A. Founder of Chick-fil-A. Uh, Chick-fil-A famously closed on Sunday. Ah, oh, Truett. Making me hungry. You ever pulled up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday real frustrated? 
Yeah. Yeah, but you know, um, in the restaurant world, the highest grossing day of the week is Sunday. You would have to be crazy to close your restaurant on a Sunday, but Truett Cathy decided to. But I want to show you something. Uh, take a look at this report. There's two slides. If we can put the first one up there. This is, let me tell you what this is. This is uh, the average profit per store for the top, what have I got? The top nine fast food restaurants in the nation, okay? Average profit per store. So this isn't like who makes the most money overall. McDonald's is number one. They got the most restaurants. They make a lot of money. I looked all this stuff up because I wanted to have this slide because I thought it was true and it turns out it is. Um, and so, yeah, there they go, per store. You look down at number five. The big dog in fast food, McDonald's, average profit per store, $2.94 million. Granted, their food's a little bit cheaper, and they got dollar sweet teas, large sweet teas. I recommend. They're really good. Okay. But $2.9 million. Number four. In, the rest of them are a bunch of restaurants we should have on the East Coast, but we don't. Um, In-N-Out Burger, mm, 3.06. Waterburger, 3.2. Raising Cane's. 3.85. You already know who's first, okay? It's up there. This is, I, I've screenshotted this from the internet. I did not make this, okay? My question is, how much more do you think it is? Throw me some numbers. Is it, is it, is it 4 million? Let me show you. Check this out. Check this out. Next slide. $5 million average profit per store. You're crazy to be closed on Sunday. Unless what God promises is true. I show you this because I know you love a good chicken sandwich. <laughs> but I show you this because, listen, I know it's hard to stop. But God says the Sabbath is blessed. You are more productive if you are in a rested mind. You are more capable of doing things and making better decisions. By the way, Truett Cathy, when interviewed, why do you take Sundays off? Look it up. It's very well documented. He says, I want my employees to have a day off to rest and worship. That's the definition of Sabbath. My point is not to say that we should take off more time so we can make more money. I'm not positive that God will bless you with more money. That does not mean, like, blessing doesn't mean money. There are some churches that falsely teach that. The word blessing doesn't mean rich. It means taken care of. It means filled with the favor of God. But he will take care of you. And you'll have everything that you need. And it starts with us realizing that we need to stop. Sabbath is a commandment. Sabbath is blessed. Third thing we need to know about the Sabbath. Sabbath is holy. The Sabbath is holy. If you remember, it said, he blessed the day and he called it Holy. What is holy? It means to be set apart, to be different, to be protected, to be an area that's different. It's other than the rest. And I love what John Mark Comer says in his book about this. He says, how can a day be called holy? This would have been jarring to the original audience in the ancient Near East. The gods were found in the world of space, not of time. They were found in a holy temple or on a holy mountain or at a holy shrine. But this God, the one true creator God, is not found in this place, but on a day. If you want to go and meet with this God, you don't have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. You don't have to go to Varanasi or Stonehenge. You just have to set aside a day of the week and Shabbat. Stop long enough to experience him. It's about a rhythm of worship. 
It's the anticipation of weekly time with God, of turning everything off and just saying, whew, I get to be here. And the pressures of this world don't matter because God is enough. Let me read you another small excerpt from his book. He says, think of how we observe a holiday like Christmas or Easter. We gear up for it. We plan out the day in advance. We do all we can to make it special, and we approach it with anticipation. The Sabbath can be like that. A holiday every week, but without all the stress and family drama. And once a week, a celebration of all that is good in God's world. And for the Jewish nation, it was them coming out of 400 years of slavery which is nonstop work, by the way, and a place where you are valued by how many bricks you can make or how many you know, meals you can prepare or how many whatever it is you do as a slave. And for their God to say, hey, all of your responsibility is lifted for a whole day. Literally, they, they wouldn't wash their dishes. They wouldn't make food. They would prepare everything they needed for the next day, the day before. They would get their fire nice and stoked up and get all their wood chopped. Many of them would practice not walking, but certain distances. It's work. Because you get to take a day of rest and a day of worship. And for Christians, we're not much different than the Jewish culture in that we were in a type of slavery to sin and darkness. Jesus set us free, and we're no longer measured by what we used to be measured by. But by the grace of God, we come into his presence, and he says, you can just be. You can just rest. You have permission to take a nap. Because I'm going to take care of you the other six days. If this day you'll just trust me with it because I want to fill your body with rest. I want to fill your body with peace. I want you to develop a mentality so that it leaks into the rest of your week. Sabbath is a commandment. Sabbath is blessed. Sabbath is holy. How the heck do we go from what we're doing to what we should be doing? I don't know. I, I, I think it would be... Um, one, there's so much more I could say about Sabbath. There are podcasts upon podcasts about Sabbath. There are sermons and books upon, about Sabbath. Uh, we could probably say, I personally have not been good about doing a whole Sabbath day myself. It's something my wife and I have worked hard towards for years in smaller areas of our life, and you'll see some of that in the next thing I'm about to say. Uh, I'm not the expert on Sabbath, but I've seen the benefit of it in my life and of life of people that I love. And I want it for you. So how do we get there? I think it would be uh, dreamland, la-la land, if I was to think that everybody in this room would be like, okay, we're all going to, from now on, we're going to take a full day of worship, and we're not going to do any other work, and we're just going to just be, we, we, it would, I just don't think that we can uh, slam on brakes quite that hard. But I do think as a community, we can inch ourselves into this. So I want to kind of lay out this challenge to us as a church today, that we as a church can become a church where, like on average, most of us understand Sabbath and we're working on it. By the way, Sabbath is not a legalistic thing. That's one thing that the Pharisees in the New Testament got in trouble for. Jesus is like, uh, no, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, okay? So the Sabbath doesn't control you. It's supposed to enrich you. So instead of us uh, jumping in and be like, okay, everybody, next Saturday, cancel everything, because uh, some of you, Saturday's not going to be your day. It's going to be a different day of the week. It's not going to be a legalistic thing, but I think that we can ease into this thing with this week's challenge. And, and so here, here's what I got for you. Practicing Sabbath. Ready? This is your practice assignment. This week, schedule five hours. Schedule a five hours or more, if you got it, time slot this week to practice Sabbath. And attempt to keep that time slot weekly for four weeks. One month of Sabbath. If you don't have five hours a week, 
you need to loosen up. Okay, I'm going to be your therapist right now and be like, you, got five, you can't find five hours in a row to stop. The world doesn't need you that bad. Okay, none of you, not me, not you. And God is telling you, I will bless that time. And I hope that eventually it's a habit that you can grow into a whole day. I mean, five hours, you're almost at a whole work day, right? But check this out. You can, you can make this after you get home from work. Maybe you got a day where you can get off at two or three, or even if you got to go till five, you're probably going to be up till 10 anyway. That's five hours. Or on your Saturday where you got a bunch of other stuff planned, chunk out the morning. Wake up early if you need to. I don't know. That's work. Sleep in. That's actually part of Sabbath. I believe it with all my heart. Five hours. You can do it, Okay. But the thing that makes this a challenge and the thing that makes this a practice, it's only a practice if you practice it, okay? It's just an idea if you just write it down. you got to put it on your calendar. You need to sit with your spouse and your family today at lunch, tonight at supper, tomorrow sometime. you got to say, okay, when's our five hours going to be? Put it on there. That's my challenge to you. Take it or leave it, but if you leave it, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. He's blessed it. He's made it holy, and he's asked you to participate what does that mean? Well, key word here, one, is schedule, okay? Put it on the schedule. First, this is about rest. I'm going to give you some suggestions, okay? This is about rest. So, you need to have a trigger that happens in your brain. And let me give you an Im- image, okay? Ready? Bathrobe. Bedroom shoes. Most comfortable pair of pants you got. You with me? All right? Trigger it. Change what you're wearing. Change where you're sitting. There's a favorite thing that you can do. Wash off your makeup if you wear makeup. Eat leftovers. Don't work on a big heavy meal. Uh, Eat a bowl of ice cream in bed. Let the laundry just sit in the hamper. And you talk to that laundry and you say, you're not the boss of me, laundry. I'll wash you tomorrow. You shave every day, guys, ladies. (laughs) Don't shave. Don't shave that day. I'm going to have stubble, and it's going to be okay, because God created me like this. This is rest. Leave that chore for another day. Snuggle with your family on the couch. Rest. Let your creator be enough, and tell him that by saying, I'm just going to sit here and be. Rest. No technology. This is my suggestion. No technology, no TV. Put your phone away. Don't just plug it in another room. Power that sucker down. They can live without you for five hours. You certainly could use it. Don't multitask. There's no multitasking on the Sabbath. Slow down. If you live alone, this is a very cool practice of, of uh, Jewish Sabbath. A Sabbath meal is a cool thing, and you can invite other people over to Sabbath. Hey, we're going to have a Sabbath meal today for dinner. You want to come over? They're like, what's the Sabbath meal? I'm like, I don't know. We're figuring it out. It's a day of rest. Okay, it's also a day of worship. Um, so let some music play in the background, some worship music. 70% of people in the world own a guitar that they don't know how to play. Pick it up. Figure something out. Tinker on it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Have someone in your family read scripture out loud. Sit in a circle and talk about what you're thankful about. This isn't legalistic. This isn't seminary. This isn't like deep biblical studies. This is just saying, God, you're good. I'm resting. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend a percentage of this time just thinking about your goodness. Married people. All the kids go to bed. Pour a glass of wine. Get romantic. That's Sabbath. Spend some time together where you just can be and enjoy the presence of one another. Light some candles. Put on some music that's peaceful. Like God is good. 
Who doesn't want that day? And this is what God has commanded us to do, and we simply ignore it. Don't know how to do Sabbath? I got, a, I got an idea. Google it. I did it. Ideas for Sabbath. Millions of people practice Sabbath every week, okay? There's some good ones out there. And just run with it. And listen, I'm just saying five hours this week. Or maybe you want to be, like, real stubborn and wait till next week. Put it on the counter for next week. That's fine. Put it on the counter. And try to do it for four weeks. And I'm going to check back in on this throughout the series to see if anybody's done it. I'm like, we're not going to raise hands. But if you want to talk to me about it or talk to each other, learn from each other, I'm going to tell you, God has blessed that. And you will come out the next morning. You're going to start looking forward. It's going to be your favorite day of the week. You're going to be like, only five hours? You think we can just take our day off now and just make it the whole thing? And our kids play soccer on Saturday. Okay, pull them out of soccer. None of them are going to be professionals anyway. If they are, they'll play every day of the week. That's what they do. I'm not being cynical. I'm saying this is the world God wanted us to have. Let's embrace it. In the Old Testament, the nation shut down every Saturday. What if we can be a church community? who develops that mindset that we can rest, we can worship, we can live in the blessing, we can stand within the holiness of God, and we can be filled. Start in small blocks, five hours. See where it goes for you. Stop the insanity. Let's Sabbath. Let me pray.